we've been in a series uh, called Table Talk the last few weeks, and, and we've been talking about what a table represents and what happens around a table. And, you know, good things happen around a table. You sit down with your family and you, you eat. And this is probably one of the most valuable tools in the world that we neglect today is the family table. In fact, most houses today, really, the table's just for show. It, it stays looking pretty year-round, and we really never sit at them. We really never eat at them. But throughout history, tables have had a place. They've been where treaties have been signed. They've been where covenants have been signed. They, uh, uh, the ends of nations have been decided, and the beginnings of nations have been decided while sitting around a table. Tables are where we, we eat. Tables are where we, we grow our families and where we, we talk about what we want to do as a family. We plan our summer vacations. How many of y'all like summer vacation? I love summer. We plan our birthday parties and all the good stuff in life happens around a table. I can, I can remember growing up, sitting down and, and on Sunday afternoons and my mom would, she put the roast in the, in the oven and she would cook it, and hopefully the pastor wouldn't go too long and burn it. And uh, we'd go home, and we'd sit around that table on Sunday afternoons, and we'd talk about our weeks to come and our months, and we'd, we'd plan our summers, and we'd cast vision to our family. When you're casting vision to your family, it changes things. Not only do, as a pastor do I cast vision to my church, but I have to cast vision to my kids, and we sit down, and we drew the blueprints for our house together. I won state in drafting, and, and so it's been a privilege. We've been drawing together and, and looking, and, and this is my room, Dad, and this is my room, and this, this is what this looks like, and this is what this is going to look like, and we've been, we've been talking about our future and where we're going and what God's going to do for us, and we get excited about it. Tables are where families can come together and grow. But it takes time. One of the things I, I've really appreciated about studying Passover over the years and, and learning about the Jewish culture is at this table, as they sat there, they cast vision to their children. And in that vision, they would revisit the past and they would share what they'd been through and where God had taken them from and where he was going to take them to. And they, they involved their children. They'd have their, their children help tell the story of Passover so that it, it would become ingrained in their life of what God had done. And at this table, there would have been, would have been pieces of a lamb that they'd have helped dad cook. The, the sacrifice that they would have made to meet the requirements for Passover. And they're sharing with their kids what this Passover lamb should look like. And casting vision to their kids. And through the generations, they've done this. and say, this is what the lamb should look like. But then we all know the story. Jesus gets here, and they forgot what the lamb should look like. They didn't recognize him when he got here. Today we celebrate Palm Sunday. And as we celebrate Palm Sunday, we celebrate Jesus' triumphal entry into Jerusalem, riding upon a donkey. And they're, they're, they're screaming, Hosanna, Hosanna in the highest as he's coming into town, initiating what we know today as 
Holy Week. And we've prepared these nice little cards for each and every one of you this week. And it has a nice little thing that on Palm Sunday you can read where Jesus would have been at in town. And you can experience each day of the week going throughout the week of what Jesus was experiencing and what was happening all the way up to Good Friday, the crucifixion, then Sunday on the resurrection. I encourage you, get those this week. Get those out in the foyer. Sit down at your table with your kids. Read those verses and share our story. Why do children today slip out of church? It's because his parents were failing to tell the story. We're we're, we're failing to to move our children to where they need to go. I, I don't want my children to fight the battles that I fought. I don't want them to have to borrow money when they get older. I want to do what the Bible says. I want, I want them to be the lender and not the borrower. I want them to, to move forward. I want them to be better than I could have ever been. But that takes me sharing a vision. That takes me sharing a, a story and taking them somewhere. So today I want to talk about the most meaningful table in the Bible. Probably the most well-known table throughout history. There's pictures. Michelangelo is painted. The Last Supper. We've all seen the picture. We've all seen the scene. But I want to take you a little bit behind the scenes of what it would have looked like and why they did what they did and, and what was on the plate and why, why parsley was there and why there was a bowl of salt water and why there was horseradish and celery and, and, and what they represented. And so I want you to go on a little journey with me today. Will you go with me today? And I want to share what the sacrificial lamb would have looked like. And do you realize that God told them to take the lamb whole with the head on it and, and to cook it over a fire? The whole lamb was cooked, even with its intestines inside. And and so I, I really believe that God was Cajun because nobody else would have ate that. <laughs> and uh, I don't know many people that cook stuff. It reminds me of that uh, water boy deal, you know, Bobby Boucher with the alligator with the head on it, spinning it on the campfire, you know. O- only a Cajun would eat an animal with the head on it. And so Jews and Cajuns probably have something in common. And so I want to share all these little things with you. If you'd open with me to Exodus 12, I will commence to read. While the Israelites were still in the land of Egypt, the Lord gave the following instructions to Moses and Aaron. He said, from now on, this month will be the first month of the year for you. Announce to the whole community of Israel that on the 10th day of this month, each family must choose a lamb or a young goat for sacrifice, one animal for each household. If a family is too small to eat the whole animal, then let them divide it up and share it with another family in the neighborhood. Divide the animal according to the size of each family and how much they can eat. And the animal you select must be a one-year-old male, either sheep or goat, with no defects. It has to be spotless. It has to be perfect in every way. And so take special care of this chosen animal even until the evening of the 14th day of the first month. Then the whole assembly and the community of Israel will slaughter their lambs together at twilight. And they are to take some of the blood and smear it on the sides and the top of the door frames of the houses where they eat the animal. And that same night, they must roast the meat over a fire and eat it along with bitter salad, greens, and bread made without yeast. 
Do not eat any of the meat raw or boiled in water. He's being very specific of how, how they should cook the animal and how they should eat it. And the whole animal, including the head, the legs, the internal organs, must be roasted over a fire. Do not leave any of it until the next morning. Burn it, whatever is not eaten before morning. These are your instructions for eating this meal. Be fully dressed, wear your sandals, carry your walking stick in your hand. Uh, eat the meal with urgency, for this is the Lord's Passover. On that night, I will pass through the land of Egypt. I will strike down every firstborn son and firstborn male animal in the whole land of Egypt. I will execute judgment against all the gods of Egypt, for I am the Lord. Put the blood on your doorposts, and it will serve as a sign, marking the houses where you are staying. And when I see the blood, I will pass over you. Are people seeing the blood in your life? Are, are they, they, they seeing Jesus and everything you've done? And, and these guys took this serious. God gave, God gave them some orders in their life and, and told them exactly what he wanted the meal to look like. And, and th- there was so much on the plate. There was, there was bitter herbs, that, and they represented, they represented the bitterness of slavery. There, there, was, there was parsley, and they would take the parsley, which was the bitter, the bitter vegetable, and they, they would dip it in water. And, and the reason they dipped it in the salt water was, as you can see the water fall, it represented the tears that had been shed while they were in bondage. And, and there was meaning to every part of this plate. Everything that they did had meaning and had reason. Uh, they used the unleavened bread because... Uh, it represented urgency in their life. They didn't, they didn't have time to, to wait for the bread to rise and to cook it like normal. Because, see, when God's taking you somewhere, when God's taking, somewhere, taking you somewhere, you got to be ready to leave in an instant. you got to be ready to move. Look to your neighbor and say, I need to be ready to move. I'm telling you, there, there's times in your life where you got to be ready to move and you got to be ready to go, and you better know what God's plan is in your life because if you're not, you're waiting on the bread to rise, you'll get left behind. They, went, they would literally, throughout the ages, they've gone through their house weeks ahead, ahead of time, cleaning their houses, getting ready for this meal. There was actually 14 steps to this meal. 14 steps of what God told them to do. And they took every step with precision and literally because they they wanted it to be perfect. As I was mixing this fruit myself this morning, Janda cut it up for me and I was mixing it and, and I was getting ready because I was getting ready to share something with you I feel like is important. They They felt like everything that God told them to do was important and there was a reason behind it. See, they knew he was the Almighty. They were ready to be delivered from where they were. And so they've celebrated this this occurrence for ages. They've sat down yearly and had this meal. But but what's funny is they no longer have a sacrifice at the meal. They just they bring some other meat and even bring brisket. And, and, And they bring some other substance because the Jewish people, you know, they don't sacrifice because the temple's not in order right now. And, and the temple's not in place, and all the tribes aren't in Jerusalem like they should be to celebrate in a proper way. And, but what they don't realize is 
They're, they're, they're still believing that that's going to happen. And, and it will one day. The temple will be back in order one day. But they're looking in the wrong spot and in the wrong place of history. They're looking for a sacrifice that's already been made. There's a reason they've been scattered. There's a reason that everything hasn't fallen into place. It's because the, the patch, what they would call the patch, or the, the pure sacrificial lamb, came and they didn't even realize it. They didn't, they didn't realize it when, when it said no bone could be broken on the sacrifice. They didn't realize there were, every step that Jesus made was in perfect order. Actually, actually, this is what they call the Seder, the, 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 the table they would sit at. And the Seder had to be perfect and, and because the Seder means order or arrangement. See, God made a, an arrangement a long time ago with Moses and with Aaron, and he said, you're going you're gonna to take this, this dinner and you're going to do it for years and years to come because I'm wanting to ingrain something in you so that when the, the lamb comes, you can recognize him. But they didn't recognize him in their life. I'm asking you today, do you, do you recognize what the lamb looks like in your life? What, what every step of it means? They would start off by, by saying a blessing and drinking the first cup of wine. At the table, there would be four cups of wine. Did you know that? Four cups of wine. Now, I don't drink wine, but I do like grape juice. And uh, I'm pretty sure this is what they had. It was good stuff. I tasted wine when I was younger, and I tasted this stuff, and it wins. I'm telling you what, I just wish it was cheaper because I can drink a whole bottle in one night <laughs> of the grape juice. Get that right now. <laughs> and so there's, there's four cups, and they would have prepared these four cups before time. And they'd had the four cups at the table, and they'd have had all the food sitting at the table. And after they, they, they drank from the first cup, then they would wash their hands without a blessing. And then they would take the celery or the parsley and they, they would dip it in the salt water representing the tears that they had shed. And then they would, they would take the bread and they'd break one of the three pieces of matzah at the table and they'd break it. And whichever the larger piece was, they'd save. And they'd put the smaller piece back. And they'd take their, this piece and like I said, they ingrained in their children this, this festival. And they'd say this, and, they, and this was called the Afikaman. And they would take this, and this would become dessert at the end of the meal. But they would take it, and they'd let the children hide it. And they'd, they'd play a game with the children, and they'd hide it really well. This went on for ages and ages. It still goes on today. And they can explain to their kids what this would mean. And they, they would hide it in a place, and they would wait They'd wait, and then they'd try to find it. And most of the time, on purpose, they couldn't find it. They would pay a ransom for it. There had to be a ransom paid for it. And they, they, they'd pay a ransom for it, and they, they'd save it and hide it to the end of the meal. And then after they went through that stage, they'd come to what they call the Magid, which is the retelling of the Passover story and the recital of the four questions which they'd have the youngest child at the table say. And they would drink the second cup of wine. 
And these four questions that they would have the child recite would, would be, why is this different than all other nights? Why is this, why is this night different? That on, on all other nights, we can eat leavened and unleavened bread, but why on this night do we just eat the unleavened bread? And it's because it represented that deliverance and salvation had come along with the future, and there was an urgency involved. It's the fact that we're in a hurry to get where we're going. How I many just feel like you've been just wandering? These guys are in a hurry, and they don't realize because they're fixing to be disobedient again, they're going to wander for a while. But they're in a hurry to get to where God has them because they've been stuck in slavery way too long. And then, and then they, say, they, they, they would say this question that on other nights we, we eat many vegetables, but on this night we only eat meat more, which is the bitter vegetables. And the reason they only ate the bitter vegetables was because they'd been through a bitter experience. It, it had been a long time coming. They, 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 they knew what it was like to be beaten and, and to have to make bricks from the clay and, and mix the straw together. And, and They knew what bad life was all about. And why, why on all other nights do we not even dip our vegetables or our stuff? But, but tonight, we dip it twice. Why, why do we do that, Dad? And they would explain to the children, well, the reason we dip twice is because the reason we're in the predicament that we're in, which is called slavery, is a long time ago, there was this coat of many colors. Joseph's coat. And his father Jacob loved him with all of his heart. And his brothers were completely jealous. And they, they couldn't stand him. So they took Jake, Jacob's, Joseph's coat of, coat of many colors that Jacob had given him. And they threw, they threw poor Joseph in a pit. And sold him into slavery. So they took his coat and they dipped it into blood. And they went home and they told their dad, we're sorry, your favorite son, as you can see, was mauled by a wild animal and has died. We buried him in the desert. And they lied to their father because they had hatred in their heart. And, and we, dip, we dipped the first time for that. Then we dip the second time. The reason we dip the second time into the salt water is because God told them to take a hyssop, which is a bundle. A bundle, of, it's kind of like a grassy substance, a wheat substance, and they take a bundle of it, and they, would, it, they told them to take the bundle, which a bundle always represents unity, and, and to dip it into the blood of the sacrifice, and that's what they put, put on the doorpost the blood with. And see, so... So out of our hatred, out of our fear of our brother, out of our, out of our disrespect for him, out of, out of all the problems that we had, all the jealousy and all the hatred that we dipped ourselves into, God is dipping us out through unity and putting blood upon the doorpost and delivering us from what's coming. Fear and hatred got them where they were. Their sin got them where they were. But God got them out through the blood of the Lamb. And then the kids would ask this last question. That on all other nights, some eat sitting and some eat reclining, and we can eat any way we want, Dad. But 
why do on this night we all just recline? Why is that? Why is that, Dad? Why, why, do, why can we re- just recline tonight? We, we can't sit straight up if we want to. And, and Dad would say, well, the reason is, is because we're all free. We can all just recline and relax because God has covered everything on this night. God has covered us and protected us. And while all of Egypt is suffering the most horrible of all the plagues tonight, we are free. We are free. And what God is taking care of right now, what he's doing business on our behalf for right now, is covering everything that we've fallen into. And we're reclining and we're taking easy because we're about to march. We're about to go somewhere. And uh, how many of y'all want to go somewhere? And so from this point, they would do the second washing of the hands with a blessing. And they would do the traditional blessing before eating of the bread products. And at the same time, this traditional blessing, they would pray over their land and they'd pray over their crops that were to come. But on that first Passover, they're leaving their land. They're going somewhere new. And they don't even know that God's planted it all for them. If they'll walk into their promise, he's planted it all for them. He's ready for it. He's been waiting for them. And then after this, they eat the bitter herbs and the horseradish. And then they would make a sandwich. And then then they would set the table and have the holiday meal, the lamb of the sacrifice. And not one of the bones or one of the legs could be broken of the animal. And then they would uh, have the eat of the afikaman, which we talked about, which is the game. They would eat of their dessert. And after the dessert was eaten, they would tell more of the story of the Passover, they, they would come into a place and they would have the blessing after the meal, the third cup of wine, the cup of redemption, and they, they'd bless it. And then they would have what they call the halal, which is they would praise God for everything he's done. And then they would conclude their meal for the night. There are four cups at the table. I want to read Exodus 6, 6 through 7. The meaning of these four cups comes from what the Jews call the four I will statements that God has made them, the four promises that God has has given them. And these four promises we find in Exodus 6, 6. It says, say therefore to the people of Israel, I am the Lord, and I will bring you out from under the burdens of the Egyptians. And then he says, I will deliver you from slavery to them. And number three, he says, I will redeem you with an outstretched arm and with great acts of judgment. And then number four, God says, I will take you to be my people and I will be your God. And you shall know that I am the Lord your God who has brought you out from under the burdens of the Egyptians. All four of these cups are rooted in those four I will, those four promises that God has made them. In these four cups, we have the cup of sanctification which would have been the first cup they had at the meal, the cup of salvation. Then there would have been the cup of deliverance and freedom. After that, there had been the cup of redemption and restoration. And then the fourth cup he said you'll drink from is the cup of fulfillment. God has all four of these cups in our life. But the question is, are we ready to drink from them? Do we want to drink from all the promises, all the wills, I will statements that God has made over our life? 
God says, I will bring you out. I will deliver you. I will redeem you. And I will take you to be my own. All you have to do is drink. The first cup, the cup of salvation, I will bring you out. He told the people of Israel, I'll bring you out. He fulfilled that with Jesus, the sacrificial lamb. God always ups everything that he does. He always does it to the better. The deal was, you have to have this ritual called Passover every single year. And there's rules and there's regulations to Passover. But God says, I'm going to meet all of those rules. I'm going to meet all those regulations. I just want you to realize it. I want you to be able to to notice the lamb when it comes. I want you to know what it looks like in your life. God wants you to realize that Jesus came just for you. He is the cup of salvation. Number two, the, the cup of deliverance and freedom. He said, I'll deliver you. The first cup got them out of Egypt. That was their salvation. They got out of Egypt. But what God's saying with with the second cup here, he said the first cup got you out of Egypt. The second cup is going to get Egypt out of you. That's what he's saying. He said not only will I take you out of Egypt, but I'm going to take all the principles that aren't of me and I'm going to take them out of your life. It's what he's still doing today for each and every one of us. If we drink from the cup of salvation, we're automatically entitled to be able to move to cup two. And he said, I'll take all the stuff you've been fighting, all of your fights, all of your battles, and he said, I'll remove them from your life. We are free. Then cup number three, redemption, restoration. He says, I will redeem you. It goes back to the Africaman, the part of the table. He said, I'll pay the ransom for you. Not only am I going to deliver you, but I'm going to make you look like you should have looked all along. Not only will I deliver you, but I'm going to bring you back to to brand new. You know what restoration of a car looks like? You don't take an old car and just paint it. No, they sand all the body lines. They look down at it. They make sure everything's perfect. They take the body and the chassis apart, and they, they take and make sure they take the motor apart, and they, they rebuild it, and they go through every square inch of that car. That's what God's saying he wants to do for you. He's going to completely restore you. He's not just going to leave you a shambled mess that's been saved and been, been delivered, but he's going to restore you to what you should look like, what you should be in your life. That's cup number three. And then he says cup number four, He said, I'm going to give you a cup of praise, a cup of fulfillment, because when I get through with you, you won't be able to stop praising me. You'll be filled to the core. Your cup will run over, and everything in your life will fall into order. I love the story of the prodigal son. Gets an inheritance, goes off, and just totally blows it. Takes everything his daddy gave him. He said, Dad, I want my Harris, and I want it now. I said, fine, take it. Took it, blew it. Got to a place in his life where everything had fallen apart. He's living with some other guy's pigs. He's living in the mud. He's living in the sewer. Everything in his life has fallen apart. You might say, well, I've got a kid that's there right now, Pastor. God wants him to drink from these cups. 
He wants to bring him out. He wasn't designed to be there. Look, this guy has done nothing wrong, gave his son all the money in the world, and he's ran off, and he's blown every dime of it. But somewhere on the horizon, he sees his son coming back. And he looks to the servant, and he says, Slaughter, the best, the best calf we got, my son's coming home. And not only does he completely redeem him and completely restore him, he puts a ring on his finger that says, you're royalty. He puts a new robe on him. It says, this robe represents the king of kings and the Lord of lords. And that's what he wants to do in your life. God gives us pictures of what he wants to do throughout the pages of the word of God. Even through, even through the tears in every step of this principle, God had you in mind. He had it in mind when Jesus came. He said, I'll fulfill every step. I'll pay the ransom. There'll be no more tears. I'll take all the bitterness in your life away. You won't have to eat any bitter herbs again. But you've got to drink from the cup. You've got to realize what the lamb looks like. That fulfillment means, I love how, how about, he says, I'll take you to be my people. He didn't say, I'll take you to be my person. You want to know what true fulfillment is? Get involved in your church. Be a part of something bigger than yourself. Be his people, not his person. Ran into a guy the other day, well, you know, we just I kind of do a private Bible study at home. I said, well, come be with us. We'd love to have you. Well, you know, I like being at home. And no, I'm telling you, it'll be great. Come, come be. Because when you become a person, it's not as fulfilling as being his people. He has destiny in being his people and, and, and being together with other people and sharing your testimony of what he's done. This was about testimony. This is about where we've been, and we want our kids to know what happened and why we fell into, fell into slavery. We want them to know why our God brought us out and how he did it. That's what this was about. In fact, this whole dinner goes, goes into the Last Supper where Jesus is sitting at the table in Matthew 26, 20 through 28. It says, when evening came, Jesus was reclining at the table. He was following Passover ritual. He wasn't just sitting. He was reclining because he said, you're all about to be free. He said, I'm about to be the lamb. You don't even know it yet, but I'm about, to, I'm about to pay the price. I'm about to pay the ransom. I'm about to be the sacrifice for each and every one of you. He's reclining at the table knowing that freedom is on the way. And while they were eating, he said, I'll tell you the truth. One of you will betray me. They were very sad and began to say to him one after the other, surely not our Lord, surely not I. Well, we see he's reclining at the table, and we can take from the Passover meal about where they're at in this time of the meal. And as they're saying, surely not I, Lord, they're washing their hands without the blessing at this time. This is the part where we wash our hands without the blessing. Surely not I, Lord, I wash my hands of that. Surely not I. Surely not I. I. I would never, I would never forsake you, Lord. Surely not, surely not I. All the time, the one who knows who the I is is sitting at the table washing his hands. And Jesus replied, The one who has dipped his hand into the bowl will betray me. 
right after the hand washing was the part where they would, they would dip the bitter herb or the vegetable into the bowl representing the tears. How sad it must have been for Jesus to know that he was paying the price for all 12 of them and for all of us, but yet one of them would deny him. One of them would turn away from him. One of them would not accept him. He's reclining at the table saying, Judas, I want you to be free. Judas, I want you to reap the benefits of this. Judas couldn't. Judas turned from him. The Son of Man will go just as is written about him, but woe to that man who betrays the Son of Man. It would be better for him if he had not been born, Jesus says. And Judas, the one who would betray him, said, Surely not I, Rabbi. Rabbi." And Jesus answered, and he said, Yes, it is you. Judas leaves. And Jesus, Jesus sitting there while they were eating, he took bread, unleavened bread, and he broke it. And he gave it to his disciples and said, take and eat. This is my body. I love this part. This is the part where he, he takes before the African, he takes the bread and he breaks it. And he said, I am breaking things over your life and you don't even know it. He said, I'm about to pay the ultimate price, and you just don't realize it. And even the words I'm about to say, I don't think you just really even grasp yet. But he said, take this bread and eat it, for this is my body. The yakats, the breaking of the bread. The majid was right after the bread was broken. They would have told the Passover story. So he breaks the bread, and he doesn't tell the normal Passover story. He doesn't talk about Moses. He doesn't talk about any of that. He breaks the bread, and he breaks tradition at this point. But see, he says the Passover story from this moment on has changed. It, there's something different about it. And, and what you're about to experience is, instead of going to the Paschal, instead of going to the sacrificial lamb that would have been on the plate, instead of going it to next, I'm it. Take this bread and eat. It represents my body that was broken for you. Jesus said, I want to rewrite your story. That's what he wants to do for you today. He wants to rewrite your story where you're at today. See, the original story was the death angel came in and killed all the firstborn of Egypt, but if there's blood on the doorpost, they would be spared. He said, I want to be your Passover lamb. He said, I'm going to hang on a cross. I'm going to die for you. And everything you've been through, all the bad in your life, it's about to be passed over. All the bad moments in your life are about to be passed over. You're going to break this bread. You're going to eat, eat my body that was broken from you, broken for you. And something is going to happen called salvation, redemption deliverance, and freedom. Freedom from all the old rules, freedom from all the old regulations. You don't need a Passover lamb no more. I am it. 
I will give you freedom. All you have to do is take this bread that represents my body, and then he takes the cup. And actually, it would have been the third cup. He took the third cup and said, I am your redeemer. I am your restorer. Drink from it. And he did. He drank from it. Our ushers are coming. They're going to bring communion up to the front right now. While they do that, I want to talk to you for just a second. Maybe you've never drank from any of these cups. Maybe, maybe you were raised in, a, in an environment where you just took communion, but you didn't understand what it really was. You didn't, you didn't really understand what the last supper of the Lord was. Or maybe you've never been to church in your life and you said, Jesus paid a sacrifice for me. I want to drink from that cup. Jesus wants you to be able to drink from all four of these cups here today. But it starts with cup number one, the cup of salvation. You have to ask him to come into your heart and to be your Lord and Savior. I want you all to stand with me today. If you've never drank from that cup in your life and you say, Pastor, I just want you to slip up your hands, even with all eyes open. If you've never, you said, I've never drank from that cup, Pastor. I've never asked Jesus to save me. I've never asked him to be my Lord and Savior. If you want to do that today, I want you to raise your hand. Is there anybody in here today? I want every eye to close for a second. I want to say a quick prayer. I want you to say it after me. Jesus, I admit I'm a sinner. I believe in my heart that you died and you rose again. I believe that you were the sacrificial lamb at Passover. And today I want to drink from the cup of salvation. Save me. Deliver me. Redeem me and set me free, Father. I thank you for this. In your name we pray. Now maybe, maybe you've asked Jesus into your heart. Maybe you just need some deliverance. Maybe you need some freedom. Maybe you want to feel like you can just recline a little bit in your life. This is your opportunity to do that today. Matthew 26, 26. Jesus said, this is, this is my body. Take and eat. And then he said, take from the cup, the cup of the new covenant. And he took the cup of wine and he gave thanks for it. Let's pray over it now. Father, I thank you for this cup. I thank you this is the cup of the new covenant, your blood that was shed for us, Father. As we drink, we drink in remembrance of you. We call it blessed right now. In your name we pray. Amen.